But I say unto you, Love thyself, and smite thine enemies. Be really anxious about tomorrow. It's going to be bad. Ask, and it will be withheld from you. Knock, and I'll probably pretend I'm not home. Please silence your cell phones and take out your Bibles as we welcome Pastor Manny Newton to continue our series, Things Jesus Didn't Say. Good morning. Good morning, and hi everyone on Church Online. My name is Manny, one of the associate pastors here, and if this is your first time here, uh, thank you for joining us this week, uh, because it's always our heart as a church to continue to see you grow in your relationship with Christ. Amen. You will see a communicator card underneath the seat in front of you. Please fill this out. Let us know you're here, and if there's any way we can serve you. After the service, take it to the info center in the lobby uh, to see our wonderful greeters for a special gift. For Church Online, you just go to our website, click on Talk to Us banner on our homepage to fill out the online communicator card as well. For Westridge family, use the same communicator card for prayer requests, praise report, or any update or comments. Once you're done, drop them in the Titan offering boxes. Located at the back of the sanctuary and each of the exit doors. Uh, Titan offering is an extension of our worship to the Lord. And it's always our joy to give to further the work of God on earth. So you can drop your Titan offering in any of our Titan offering boxes. Or you can give securely online at westreach.cc. Thank you. So this week I'm excited to continue the message series on things Jesus didn't say. And our main reading will be from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6 and 18. And don't worry, I'm not going to read the entire two chapters. We're just going to be reading some sections in and out of there. Uh, you see, to fully understand what someone is telling you, sometimes it's very helpful to consider what they didn't say, so that we can fully comprehend what was being said. Likewise, to truly understand the power of the truth, that Jesus said sometimes is very helpful to consider what he didn't say. So today, I'm excited to look at the topic of forgiveness, what Jesus didn't say about the topic of forgiveness. And as I look for that, I just want you to, to let you know that it's going to be a bumpy ride today. So buckle up your bet of truth, like Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, when he was talking about the armor of God as we let God's word speak to us and illuminate our minds. Because of all the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, I think this topic of forgiveness is the most challenging, the most radical, and the most difficult for us to hear and practice. Because when Jesus was telling the people of his day that as Christians, instead of revenge and retaliations, they were called to do the loving things, and that includes you and me. And I also realize that this topic of forgiveness is a very emotional one. So I want to take a moment just to acknowledge those of you that may have been hurt one way or the other. Maybe a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a wife, husband, ex-wife, ex-husband, a mother, a father. A stepmother, a stepfather hurt you. 
Maybe someone used you to their advantage. Maybe someone broke a promise to you. Maybe someone didn't pay you what they owe you and left you in a very bad place. The list goes on and on. And here you are, days or weeks or months or even years later, and you still feel that pain. And you still carry the ones. So if you say for a moment, that's just not fair. You don't know what someone did to me. I just want to acknowledge that there are so many wrongs in this world. And I want to acknowledge that pain. And sometimes I even found out that there is even another level of pain when someone hurts or abuses someone that you love. And that's the case in my mother's family. My mom shared something with me when she was younger and growing up with her older sister. She's the baby of the house. She admired her sister so much that she told their parents, I want to go live with my sister. So my mom went and stayed with her sister. However, for the entire duration in which my mom stayed with her sister, she experienced a lot of emotional, mental, and psychological damages that was so terrible because of the way she was treated. And she grew up despising her sister. And from her story, and so some of it play out myself, I developed hatred toward her sister. So my mom and I had unforgiveness in our lives for several years, even though we pray and go to church regularly all that time. Because we fail to realize that as Christians, we are called to forgive in every circumstance, no matter what. So before we dive deeper into this topic of forgiveness, I just want to look at what Jesus didn't say about the topic of forgiveness. But first I will read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, where Jesus was actually teaching the disciples and us how to pray. How do you pray? Jesus said from verse 9. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now let me highlight what Jesus didn't say and let's have some fun with it, all right? He didn't say, Father, forgive them for they don't know how to balance their checking account. (laughs) He didn't say once it's a mistake, twice it's a bad decision, any more than that has no chance of being forgiven. Jesus didn't say, sorry, pal, you've sinned too much for me to forgive you. I can forgive everybody else, but you really get on my nerves. (laughs) Not you, Cynthia, I'm just messing. Jesus never, ever said that. (laughs) What Jesus said is this. In verse 12, and forgive us our debt as we also are forgiven our debt us. Also, let's look at the same verse, verse 12 in Good News Translation because it's a lot clearer. It says, forgive us the wrongs that we have done as we have forgiven the wrongs that others have done to us. And get this, right after Jesus' teaching us how to pray, the only part he repeated in that Sermon on the Mount was the section about forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. 
And this is really to emphasize how important the issue of forgiveness is. So here we go. Jesus did say in verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I want to read this to you again because I want to let it sink in. Verse 14 again. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you. Very powerful and very deep teaching by Jesus. No wonder the people of his days were so terrified and dazed upon hearing it. Because essentially Jesus was saying forgiveness is conditional on the fact that we will forgive. So today as I look at the topic of forgiveness, and if you're still struggling with forgiveness, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because every single one of us, including me, in our spiritual journey or lifetime, we have had this same struggle. And let me tell you, even one of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples struggled with this biblical mandate and practice of forgiveness. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So we're going to look in the Gospel of Matthew with Jesus was answering the question about forgiveness posed by the apostle Peter. So let's listen. And this is found in Matthew chapter 18. It's also called the parable of the unforgiving servant. Let's listen to this parable in verse 21 through 35 very quickly. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle account with a servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Verse 28, but that, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. And deliver him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So, my heavenly Father, also we do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother or sister. So, Peter, the most passionate, 
the most dynamic, and the outspoken of all the 12 disciples had a challenging situation. And the beautiful thing about this Peter's challenging situation is that even though he didn't really know what forgiveness means and doesn't know how to go about it, but he knew who to go to. So right now, how many of you are in a challenging situation in your life? You don't know much about it. You don't know what to do about it. Let's take a cue from Peter. Because I love Peter's model for us. Because he was focusing on what Jesus has to say about this challenging situation. And I love Jesus' response to that. It was so awesome that the first thing Jesus did was to bring everyone's perspective into Peter's challenging situation. So as a true follower of Christ, you've got to ask yourself, am I seeking God's perspective in any challenging situations? As a matter of fact, in all of life situations, am I seeking God's perspective? Because Peter knew who to ask about it. He knew who not to ask about it. Peter wasn't going to ask, what is the popular view on this topic of forgiveness? No, 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 no. He wasn't going by what the value, the culture says forgiveness is. And he wasn't going by what everybody else thinks it is. Because sometimes we run out of energy because we're expending it, trying to do whatever we think everybody has said is right. But Jesus, Peter went to Jesus and not getting focused on Christ. So he focused on what Jesus had to say. So Peter went to Jesus because he wants what God wants. If my brother or sister, whoever sins against me, and I forgive him, how many times should I have to go through this forgiveness process? Seven times? Jesus said, No, 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 Peter, Peter, Peter. Always outspoken. I didn't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And I know 70 times seven is 490, but the issue there was not 490. The issue is you always forgive as many times as he takes. And to illustrate his point, Jesus tells the parable to them and us what unforgiveness looked like from God's perspective. And he said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle account with his servants. And one of the servants was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And 10,000 talents was a lot of money because a single talent among the people of that day was the highest monetary value. And in studying for this message, the only valuation that I can find, the lowest value for a talent was $1,000. And the highest valuation of a talent was $28,000. Depending on the type and weight. And in some of the commentaries, a talent is about 60 to 70 pounds of silver or gold. So you say, how much is a talent worth? Let's just say 28,000, right? Now, the man who 10,000 talent multiplied by $28,000. 
That's a whopping $280 million. Several hundreds of millions of dollars that this servant owed the king. And he had no means of payment. No collateral security whatsoever. No currency to pay what he owed. And the only thing he could do was to beg, to plead, that the king might give him a second chance so he can make arrangement for a payment plan, you know. And he knew very well that his only hope to get out of this situation is to be found in the compassion of the king. And that's exactly what the king did. Because as he was not able to pay, the king said, but first, he commanded that he be sold. I'm going to sell you, I'm going to sell your wife, I'm going to sell your children, I'm going to auction off every single possession of yours so that you can make payment. And he went and said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the king was moved with compassion. And his compassion was so profound that he released him from his obligation altogether. Can you imagine the weight that fell off this servant's back? after walking out of the presence of the king that day. I am free of owing $280 million, or should I say 10,000 talents. So happy and true, walking all over. What a king, and how great is his compassion. However, when this servant would walk out the door, he saw another fellow of his servant who owed him a hundred denarii. And a denarii is just about 16 cents. Hundred times 16 is about $16. This is a couple of days' wages that this other guy could have paid him back in a few days. But he went and grabbed the guy, started to choke him and said, pay me what you owe me. Watch. And this servant said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Isn't it interesting that the Jesus had the second servant use exactly the same words that the first servant had used with the king? But he would not. But he went and threw him into the prison until he should pay the debt. You see, forgiveness is always so easy when we need it and so very, very hard when we need to give it out. And this failure to pass along even a tiny portion of the compassion that this first servant had experienced at the end of the king was not overlooked by his friends. And they said, because they saw him grab the man, they saw him choke the man, they saw him throw the man into the prison. And they said, this is the most ungrateful man in the history of the world. And they went and reported him back to the king. And the king called this four servant back to him and said, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that you owed me, $280 million, 10,000 talents, simply because you begged me. Should you not also have had the same compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? For goodness sake, how much is $16 compared to $280 million that I forgave you? And the king was very, very mad at him. 
and deliver him to the torturers until he should pay what he owe. Think about this for a moment. First, this ungrateful servant, this man, was threatened with justice by the king. Then the king had compassion because he begged and replaced justice with mercy. But the ungrateful servant threw away the grace of the king and in doing so, he got justice served to him. And that's enough lesson right there to keep us thinking of the grace of God every day in our lives. Because the minute we take it for granted, the minute you and I refuse to be a conduit of the very grace that God gave us, then we can expect to receive nothing less from God's hands of justice. Because sometimes we want grace, but we want to dole out justice. Not realizing that unforgiveness is a liability that can restrict what God will do in our lives. Because that's what happened to the servant. And so Jesus applies the parable this way. By saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister. You fill in the blank from your heart. Now, how do you live out what Jesus taught us to do? I think, first of all, we have to understand that God takes the issue of forgiveness very seriously because there's never a situation that God will ever allow us not to forgive. You say, why does he do that? Because you and I were created in this image to become more and more like Jesus in his character, in his conduct, in our actions. We have to be able, and if he allows us not to forgive, we're not going to be able to be that which he wanted us to be. So when you say, well, I need to forgive somebody, what does he mean to forgive? But before I get on that, I'd like to say very quickly what forgiveness doesn't mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean I lose the right of self-protection. If someone is abusing you, you get away from them because you can still protect yourself and forgive. It doesn't mean that you have to let yourself continue to be the target of further abuse. This is called managed distance. Using distance to your advantage by bringing good things close to you and moving temptations far away from you. There are some people I choose not to be around. I've forgiven them, but I won't put myself in that circumstance again. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Serpents are wise because they don't present themselves. So if you have a person that is abusive or artful toward you, it's not wrong for you to protect against that. Here's the issue. What's my heart in this? If my heart is about revenge and vindication, that's not good. That doesn't honor God. But if my heart is to glorify God, to do the right thing for everyone, that's what it is. And that's honoring to God. Now here's what forgiveness means. Number one, permanently forgiving all obligations. It means you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me an explanation 
Forgiveness means there's nothing against you anymore. And the Greek word for forgive is a fini, and literally means to send away from oneself, to cast it out of your life, to let go. It refers to total detachment, total separation from a previous condition. It doesn't mean to sweep it under the rug. It's not pretending like it didn't happen, but it's to let go. You offended me, you rejected me, you did this to me, but you're forgiven now. You're released with no obligation. That's what the king did, and that's what the first servant was not willing to do. Two, forgiveness also means permanently fulfilling the right to rebuke. I'm not going to rebuke you or abuse you in a sharp way on this. I'm not going to grab you and choke you and beat you up on this. Instead, I will approach you in a loving and graceful manner. I'm not going to withhold any good that is meant for you. I will stop wishing internally for bad things to happen to you. I'm not going to engage in passive-aggressive behavior toward you. Passive-aggressive means I'm not going to do something for you that I know you want, but I'm going to do something for you that I know you don't want. Number three, forgiveness also means permanently forgoing all expressions of private and public judgment. It means it's over. I'm not going to mention your name and talk about you in private or public environment. I'm not going to let it bother me anymore because I'm casting it out of my life for good. It means I remember this against you no more. Period. And in Matthew 5, 43 to 44, Jesus also said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Very intense, right? I told you this was going to be a bumpy ride. Hopefully you still have your belt of truth fasting around your waist. Right? Because this is another deep truth spoken by Jesus. And here Jesus was speaking against people who get caught up in individual pursuits of vengeance and retaliation. And he gave a list of examples to illustrate his point. Jesus said, one, bless those who curse you. <laughs> and that goes right against our everything in our natural makeup, isn't it? Somebody curses me, I want to curse him back. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. We don't return evil for evil. Somebody curses you, somebody curses me. You bless them by praying that God will give you grace to forgive them. And that they will come to know Christ who will transform their hearts. Two, Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Somebody comes and hurts you and practically make themselves your enemy, number one. And you're supposed to love them? Yes, you're supposed to love them. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to push a button in our soul that will make us have some warm, fuzzy feeling of affection towards that reprehensible person. But what Jesus is saying is that I don't have to feel love towards them, that reprehensible person, but we are called to do the loving things. Because here, love is not so much of a noun of feelings, but it's a verb, an action word. What are you doing to that? 
Not what you feel, but what are you doing? Remember, we're supposed to become more and more like Jesus in our character, in our conduct, and in our action. What actions am I taking on that? Okay. Also, I think I have something for you to read at home. If you get a chance today, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for the description of biblical love. That will open your minds, it will open your hearts, and you will see biblical love. It's not feelings love. You will see it in a different way. And God will strengthen you to live by it as you promise to do that. Three, Jesus said, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Even though this is a difficult thing to do, and the good news is the Lord never gives us the ability not to forgive. So you can start by praying for those who hurt you. Because prayer is a God-honoring place to start. Because as you begin to pray, God changes your heart. And you may say, I don't feel like praying. And I understand. Because remember, my mom and I went through that for several years. But thankfully, through a three-day reviver that spoke on forgiveness, we were able to begin to pray for our sister. And we were set free from unforgiveness. Here's what is true about praying for those who hurt you. Your prayer for those who hurt you may or may not change them, but it always changes you. And thank God, the broken relationship in my mother's family has been mended by his grace. Praise God. And today, two of my second cousins from my, from my uh, mother's sister came to the United States and able to stay because I was blessed to sign and guarantee their paperwork for U.S. immigrations. That would never have happened if I still carried that unforgiveness. Yes. Praise God. Yes. How many relationships could be healed? If siblings will embrace and say, I'll forgive you. What if somehow, in the same way that we've been forgiven, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we choose to forgive somebody else? What if business partners, co-workers, will replace their animosity toward one another with kindness respect, and biblical love? What if husbands and wives will let go of all the betrayers, mistreatments, broken promises, and unite their heart and soul to become one under Christ? What if friends will choose forgiveness over grievances? What if Mothers and daughters will cast away all the bitterness and let bygones be bygones and choose to forgive just as Jesus has forgiven us. What if fathers and sons will choose forgiveness over grievances? How many relationships could be restored? 
how many people could be healed in their heart and be free of harboring grudges. Because holding grudges, allowing bitterness to fester in our hearts is one of the most destructive things that we can ever do. In other words, if we live in bitterness, resentment, hatred, then we continue to let the wounds stay infected and poison our soul. Someone said this, forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying our hearts. You see, Jesus wasn't overbearing like helicopter parenting, mean or harsh, or lacking empathy when he asked us to practice biblical forgiveness. He was doing it to help us heal, to help us be free. So, as I think about it, someone said, forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts from God for a human heart to be able to truly heal from unforgiveness. Once again, let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, I'll forgive you, but you don't have to forgive other people. He didn't say, you can treat people however you want and we're cool. Jesus said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as I end today, I want to read a testimony about when forgiveness seems impossible from a book by Corey Tambom titled The Hiding Place. Corey Boom was taken captive and spent time in Nazis concentration camps during World War II. While in prison, Corey saw incredible abuse, so inhumane that he drove the prisoners to incredible deaths, including intentionally allowing lies to breed on their bodies. Because the more lies they had, the less likely that the guards will molest them. And Corey even witnessed the death of our own dear sister. After the war, God sent Corey on a mission of mercy through the war-torn cities to encourage residents to choose forgiveness over bitterness. She will motivate her audiences by sharing some of the atrocities she had experienced, implying that if she could forgive such horrors, she so could her listeners. One night speaking, she immediately recognized the man who came walking down the aisle as a particularly the meanest guard in one of the concentration camps. The man did not recognize her, however. As he approached Corey, he said, Fräulein, which means miss in German language. You don't know me, but I was a guard in one of those camps. After the war, God saved me. I wish I could go back and undo those years. I can't, but I've just been prompted by God to come to you tonight and ask you, will you please forgive me? Then he extended his hand to her. Can you imagine the horrible thoughts and memories that read through Corey's mind as she recognized his face and then even worse, heard his incredible plea? How could she? Corey said her hand froze at her side and she was literally unable to move. The flashbacks in her minds, 
the atrocities, the death of her sister. And then God's spirit said to her, Corey, what have you been telling everybody else? As an act of your will, will you choose to forgive? Corey went on to explain what happened next. I reached out my hand and I put it in this and I said, you're forgiven. She later reported at that moment, it was like a dam broke loose. All the bitterness, resentment, and God set me free. You see, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And since forgiveness is at the very heart of Christian faith, we of all people should be known as forgiven people. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I know this is very heavy, deep teaching. But we, first of all, we thank you for the gift of forgiveness that you have given us to heal our hearts and set us free from unforgiveness. Because we know that even with all the technological advancement in place, there is no medicine that can heal unforgiveness in our heart except for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, today, I pray for heaven's solutions into all situations that surpasses our logical reasoning. Because right now I believe that you are ministering into unbearable pain, broken hearts, or whatever the abuse is. Because that's what you do best, Jesus. Even as you declare in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 that you have come to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Father, I pray for supernatural healing and restorations in relationships that seem unrepairable, that you will do what only you can do. And Father, we thank you for the gift of grace that you have given us to help overcome all the injustices, abuses that we experience on this earth. And if you're here, and kind of like my mom and I, you walk into church, you're watching online, and you realize, oh, I'm holding a grudge. I've got unforgiveness in my heart. God, help me to cast it out. Help me to let it go. Father, I empathize with those who are hurting today. And I'm most merciful, God. Even though we may be angry, but we don't want to see in our anger. As you have called us to be in Ephesians 4.26, we just take a moment and pray for those who hurt us, that they will have a divine encounter and come to personally experience your goodness and your grace and that ultimately they will find healing in you. And lastly, Spirit of the living God, just like you have Corey, when she couldn't move, when our hand was frozen, help us by your power to forgive others as you have forgiven us. And in Jesus' name we have prayed. And the church said, Amen.